excited about this. I, how many really uh, thought that Brian's word was excellent last week? Wasn't that just an amazing word? He just brought it home for us. You know, the whole submit, resist, and draw near is totally powerful. Uh, I'm excited to say this. He will be here again this coming Sunday. So we got him back again uh, before he takes off. Uh, and we're not praying that he can't get back to Greece, but we are going to use him while he's here, okay? And so we're excited about that. And so he will uh, look forward to seeing him this coming uh, week again. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse uh, 16 uh, gives us this uh, challenge. It said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow, what a powerful promise that is. What a powerful promise. Let us come boldly. I don't have to back into God's presence, okay? I can come boldly before his presence no matter what. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today because I felt as uh, Brian's word was, was uh, to submit, resist the devil, and then draw near to God. And it's just it's important that we don't spend all of our time resisting the devil. Come on. You'll come away from that totally worn out and weak. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And, and, and that's exactly where he's at. And so as we look at some different scriptures here, I, I want to maybe challenge us up in talking about it to learn how to draw near to God like never before. That's going to be the answer. And I, uh, I was thinking the other day, I, I think I may have stuck it on Facebook or something, where I just said, you know, uh, there's a time, and I think we might be in it, where we cannot depend on what we're hearing and what we're reading, so we must have discernment happening inside of us so we know what to believe. Has anybody heard a conflicting report lately? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And, and yet there's this ability for the Holy Spirit to step into your life and speak to you directly and personally and to reveal to you himself and what's really happening. And that's where we all want to be prepared to be at. We want to be in that position so that we're not going back and forth and back and forth with every, it says every wind and doctrine, just blow, being blown everywhere. And, and I, I don't want to be there, and I know you don't either. And, and even as he shakes the earth, boo, okay, I'm on the rock. I'm not going to be fl flying all over the place. I'm not grabbing a hold of the earth to, to hang on and to stand up. No, why? I'm standing on the rock of Christ Jesus, and he's speaking to me, and he's speaking to me the truth. He's showing me and giving me discernment on everything that I'm hearing. And so I, I just I want to encourage you in that. And then Psalm 73, verse 28 says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord, we sang that today, that I may declare all of your works. So it's good for me to draw near to God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and, and verse 1. It says, walk prudently when you go to the house of the Lord. Now listen to this here. I, I kind of chuckle when I read it because I think it really hits home for us. I think it hits home for all of us. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. So as you came here this morning, 
I hope your purpose, your goal, part of your desire was, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear what you have to say today. I want to receive your power, the power of your word, and the stability that your word will bring to me so that as I go back out there, when the winds blow, I won't be blown with them. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13 uh, is, is excellent. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, not quite so positive going here, okay? <laughs> as much as they do this, but, the, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men. Do you hear what he's saying there? He's saying, I'm starting to listen to the commandments or the thoughts and the rule of men instead of what the Holy Spirit's saying. And I may be saying certain things, but yet my heart isn't engaged in those things. Have you ever said something where with to somebody and your heart just wasn't engaged in it? You know, I know you have. It's just, it's just a, you know, there's that distance between what you're saying and what you're really, your heart's really connected to. And this is what he's trying to say here. I, I, I don't want just lip service, but I want your heart to be attached to those words. And when we come into his presence to worship him and to spend time singing and honoring him, you know, to me, you know, we, we, we have a, uh, we spend a fair amount of time in worship because we feel it's important. It's biblical, number one, and it's important. Uh, and, and oftentimes it takes a little while to kind of get your heart engaged in your singing. How many have experienced that? You come in, it's just like prayer, you know. I don't know about you, but when I go into a time of prayer, I don't just jump into the Holy of Holies and I just feel his presence right away. No, sometimes I got to work a bit for it. Only because of where my mind and my heart are not connected. Not because God makes it hard, and we're going to see that this morning. But because of where I'm at with it all. And, and yet he wants you, he loves you, he wants to develop a love relationship with you uh, like none other. I mean, he just cares so much about you specifically this morning. He, he, he cares about you, he loves you, and he wants that connection to be there because it's really the only way for you to really tap into that strength and tap into all that the Holy Spirit has, uh, has, has for us as his people. That's why he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. You need another scripture, I can tell. James 4.8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to me, to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So, if I kind of reverse that, and I don't sense, feel, acknowledge, experience God drawing near to me, what would that say to me? What should that say to me? It might say to me that I'm really not drawing near to God. Well, my head's there, but I haven't engaged the two together so that the encounter can be complete. And then if you're married, you know what it's like. To have conversation that your heart is just not in. And, 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 and this is what we can slip into if we're not careful. And I hope today that we can maybe jerk away from that. Uh, I believe that potentially uh, that, 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 that maybe more of us are there than we want to be. 
And oftentimes it's because of guilt, it's because of disappointment, it's because of sin, it's because of loss. It's just things begin to happen around us and we begin to lose focus. And that's where we want to bring back into alignment. And I felt like that's exactly what we were saying today. Jesus, be the center. Jesus, be the center. And he's very serious about this because he knows what it will do for you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that your Holy Spirit is here and you said that you would be our teacher. And I'm praying this morning for everybody watching online, even in their homes right now, that your, the, the thrust of your Holy Spirit would penetrate your truth into every heart. Everyone in this room, God, today, uh, regardless of where we stand or where we are, Father, that your word would penetrate us. You said it would be sharper than a two-edged sword. And we need that discernment today by your Holy Spirit. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 22 and verse 21 captured my attention. That's the very last verse of the entire Bible. It's the very last verse in the entire Bible. And I thought, well, if I was going to sign something and it was going to be the last thing that I was going to say, what would it be and how important is it? And listen to what God chose to put down for you and I on the very last book, last chapter, and last verse of your Bible. Revelation Chapter 22 and uh, verse 21. The grace, would you say grace? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Let this grace be with you. Well, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? How do, how do I know what that means? If it it's really uh, bears the value of the importance of being the very last verse in the Bible... How should I read that? How should I understand that? And I hope this morning that, uh, as Paul said, our, our eyes would be more enlightened or opened than ever before. I was thinking as I was preparing this, uh, how many have ever heard the song? Uh, I know at least a few of you have. How many have ever heard the song Amazing Grace? <laughs> Every one of us. Do you realize that that song was written uh, I think maybe over 200 years ago. It is played or sung uh, over 10 million times every single year. There's something about that song, a simplicity of amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved. And I can remember when I was first saved kind of singing this. I thought, wait a minute, this is kind of sounding negative. It saved a wretch like you, I mean, by, like me, you know, and you're singing it through, but that, as that song penetrates, boy, it's a transforming song, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of get lit up and ignited every time that, that we sing that, whatever the setting is, it's such a powerful thing, and I think it's because of the message of the song. How many like new words? How many like to learn new words? Anybody here? You know, some things fascinate you. How many of you? Uh, have, have a little bit of a challenge figuring out some of the new slogans and words and initials that you find in text. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's <laughs> and, and if you make a mistake, it can be very detrimental. <laughs> and if you put the wrong initials, it can be really bad. You might think one thing. You shouldn't just make those up, by the way. <laughs> you know? 
I tried that once, and I read it before I sent it. Fortunately, I thought, wait a minute, that's not what that's going to mean when it gets to the other end. It's not what it was meant to, to mean. But here's a, here's a word. I want you to think about this word and what you think it means, okay? It, it's, uh, we'll just go through a couple of them. Let's just see if you can figure this out just by what it says. Phonesia, phonesia, phonesia. That's a real word. And, and, and uh, I think there was over 300 words added to our dictionary just last year. And this was one of them. Here's what it means. It means the affliction of dialing a phone number and then forgetting whom you were calling just as they answered. <laughs> Has anybody done that? I have, I have, I have to admit I've done that. <laughs> but that's a real thing. It's really going to happen, so be careful. Here's another one. Uh, disconfect. 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 What, 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 what does that mean? I liked this one because it's one we will all probably be aware of. Uh, we've at least heard our parents whisper something to this degree uh, in our young lives. I'm not sure it will fly today with all the sterilization, but here's what, here's what disconfect means. To sterilize the piece of candy you dropped on the floor by blowing on it and, <laughs> and assuming this will somehow remove all the germs. <laughs> How many have heard that from your parents? Just blow it off real quick. Five second rule, 30 second rule. Oh, here's another one. How about blame, stor- blame storming? Blame storming. It's a, it's a group discussion regarding the assigning of responsibility for a failure or a mistake. Blame sharing. Or storming, excuse me. Here's the last one here I thought was uh, appropriate for tax season. It's intoxication. Intoxication. I'm glad we don't have to use this on a regular basis. It's the euphoria at getting a tax refund, which lasts only until you realize it was money, it was your money from the start. <laughs> I'm excited I got this money. I forgot that I paid it in. They've been holding it for me. All right. Well, let's look at another word. That's the word grace. Let's take a look at this word and see if maybe we can pull some thoughts out of it that are going to help us. It should be thoughts that literally transform us uh, in, in a deep way. And I just felt so strongly when, uh, when Brian was preaching last week and he said, uh, I want you to draw near to God and to realize the fact that oftentimes we don't draw near to God. And sometimes it's because we feel guilty or shame or uh, just whatever. We've done something wrong. We've blown it. And we just kind of somehow build this, uh, this distance from our father thinking that he's mad at us until we can figure out what to do right. And then we try to do it right. And then we fail again. And, and, and then now we think he's even madder at us. And so we try harder to do right, only to do what? Fail again. And we continue on this, this cycle to the place where now, uh, maybe, maybe at most I just want to pray over my meals. <laughs> I don't know that I want to stop and try to spend time with God because I feel so distant from him not realizing that the distance was probably established, built up, fortified, and strengthened because of your thought process, which affects your feelings. 
So your thought processes affect your feelings, which affect the sense of uh, somebody in your presence. And, and, and so we get to this place where we think, oh, man, I don't know. I've blown it over and over and over and over. And that's what I want to look at today, because I think if we can grasp uh, at least a, another portion, I'd love to say all of it, but it's impossible. Uh, if I can get another portion of what grace is all about, that it'll take me further than I would ever imagine. Maybe one of the best definitions that we would find in the Bible of it would be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. It says, For by the blood of Christ we are set free. <laughs> How many are excited about that? You know what? Can I just encourage you about something? When, every time we read something like that, we should perk up a little bit. Come on, is it true or not true? Were you set free or not? You really were, weren't you? And if you don't realize it, (laughs) you might need some work. But we were set free. It says you were set free. And and I think these words are to encourage us. For by the blood of Christ we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. Another great place to be excited. How great is the grace of God which he gave to us in such large measure. Wow. Wow. How great is this grace? And what is this grace all about? Because I think there's one thing about grace is that it requires actually more than just a definition, but it actually requires an explanation, or an explanation, but it actually requires an experience. We experience the grace of God. It's something we begin to experience. And so uh, as, we, as we look up, even in the dictionary, if you looked up the word romantic love, okay, it would give you some definitions and, 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 and examples and so forth. But how many know that you're really not going to get it fully at that dictionary definition, right? You have to experience that. You have to, as the, uh, the old kids' movies say, you have to, be, you have to get Twitter-pated to really know what this is about, and some of you know what Twitter painted is all about. Okay, well, the definition didn't do it, but the relationship did. Something happened. Well, that's what grace is like. Grace is something I can't really even define well, but as I begin to experience it, and that's what I want to encourage you toward today, to begin to encourage it, then and you will experience the amazing thing about grace. It's interesting that as you look through the scriptures, what you'll find is that Jesus never used the word grace. Paul used it over a hundred times in his letters and writings. But Jesus never actually used the word grace. But you know what he did do? He demonstrated it everywhere he went. He let people, okay, experience it. He let people grab a hold of it by experience. And as you read through the scriptures and we see these different illustrations and these stories, uh, he's showing us this is what grace really looks like. And it was funny because it always bothered the religious people. They just couldn't handle it. They got their their dander ruffled. They, They got all stirred up when Jesus was modeling or helping people to experience the theological teaching of grace. You probably were very familiar uh, with the, uh, the way that the disciples uh, 
took on, or the, 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 the rabbis took on a disciple as a trainee. They would take them and put them through some rigorous, tra- rigorous examination. They'd look at their life and make them fill out all the papers and all the applications and, and everything. And then they would decide, okay, you can come and be my disciple. But it was very rigorous. And so you can only imagine when Jesus went to maybe the, the worst career-focused uh, person, Matthew, remember the tax collector? He went to them and all the religious people were watching he says, hey, Matthew, <laughs> come and follow me. It wasn't anything about an examination. Uh, it wasn't anything about an examination, but it was about what? An invitation. And he gives us the same invitation constantly. Come and follow me. And, and, and boy, did that ever bother the scribes and the Pharisees. And, and what we learn in this story is that no matter really where you've been, what you've done, what people think about you, and what people say about you, God's not looking at you from that perspective. He's looking at you from this unique perspective. Many believe that Matthew was actually supposed to be uh, uh, maybe becoming a priest himself. His, his name means, uh, Matthew means a gift of Yahweh. But as you noticed, he ended up being a tax collector. How disappointing, probably for his parents. <laughs> but yet here, after living that life for a while, Jesus comes to him and he just says, listen, I want to invite you to follow me. I think about uh, maybe the next story in Luke chapter 5, and, uh, uh, and we'll read verse 12, and, and it says this here in verse thir- 12 and 13, Luke 5, 12 and 13, and it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. If you know anything at all about leprosy, once you received it, you were pushed out of the city. There was no more touch. There was, you, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, social distancing. <laughs> leprosy would create that for you. And it was more than six foot, believe me. You just couldn't touch them. They were just void of everything. They were pretty much shut out. And so this guy's coming to Jesus now. And he's asking for healing. And look at, uh, <laughs> look at uh, this next verse in verse 13. And then he put out his hand and he touched him. Wow, that was a no-no. That was pretty dangerous. Leprosy is actually, it's worse than anything that we'll face. Anything that will be around. Leprosy was the worst. And yet it says here, he could have stood back and just said it, right? Remember, he had that power and authority. He didn't have to go lay hands on him. But yet it says in verse 13, then he put out his hand and he touched him. And again, I'm sure the religious people were just freaking out. What are you doing? Now you're unclean. Until all of a sudden, boom, he says, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Now, I'll just be a little bit careful here this morning, maybe just a little, not a lot. But we're, we're being driven away from people 
that might need us to lay hands on them and pray for them. We're being driven away from people, even relationally, connecting with them. And, and I just think we just need to begin to think this through. Now, would I be totally foolish to go lay hands on somebody that's really sick in front of me? And, you know, stay back six foot? You know, I mean, and maybe you could do that, but that's not what Jesus did. What was he doing? He was modeling grace. He was modeling grace. He cared more about that leper than he did himself. Plus, he just knew the Father would heal him. Healing revealed the power of God. His touch revealed the grace of God. And, 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 and it's important for us to, to realize, even when we're around people, we sometimes expect them to be cleaned up and perfect before we'll get connected with them, before we'll get close to them. We've somehow had this rule in the church that you had to be perfect before you got there. And, 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 and if you weren't, we're going to take care of it really quick. What about John chapter 8, verses 11 and 12? I won't read all of these verses, but just one of them. But you'll remember it well when the woman was caught in adultery and they brought him up before Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what are you going to do about this? And he went through the process and, and, and he challenged everybody that was looking. He just said, okay, go, let's go for it. Let's just do this right. Let's let the first one who is sinless come and throw the first stone. And as he kneeled down onto the ground, when he says, when he looked back up, they were all gone. And look what it says that he said. And when Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? That was an interesting term because the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. And he's day and night constantly trying to accuse you and I of what we're doing not recognizing who we are. You can act out of character sometimes. How many know that? But it doesn't change who you are. You're still who Christ said you are. Woman, the accusers of yours, uh, has no one condemned you? She said, no, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Man, wouldn't it have been the perfect timing? Here she is wrapped in a sheet probably, from the bed that she was committing adultery in and thrown out before him, man, he could have just laid her out for that one. He says, look at, I, I, what does the Bible, doesn't the Bible say, Jesus said, I have not come to what? Condemn the world, but to do what? Save the world. He's after saving people. Just a small amen would be good right about there. I'm happy that he came to this world to not condemn me, but to come after me and save me. And no matter how rebellious I was toward him, he still continued on. I think about the, 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 the uh, you may be familiar with this, I hope you are, because I'm just going to take a minute to run through it. But once a year in the Old Testament time, once a year, every family had to bring a lamb to be sacrificed for their sin. 
okay? And, uh, and, and so they would have to find the very best lamb that they could find. They said, I want the perfect lamb. I want the best lamb that you have. And I want you to bring that, and we're going to sacrifice that for you. And he would bring it. They would go over it. They said it traditionally for three or four days. They'd be looking this lamb over and making sure there weren't any flaws and so forth in this lamb. And then they would bring it and present it to the priest. And it was to deal with the sin issue. And, and, and there's a big note here. As you read the scriptures, what you find out is that when they give the lamb to the priest, listen to this here, listen, lean in here just a second. When they gave the lamb to the priest, the priest didn't, ex- didn't inspect the person, but he inspected the lamb. He was after the perfect lamb to pay the price that that person couldn't pay. If he could have, it would have been done by now. So the priest now, he examines the lamb. And now I want you to just let your mind and your imagination go a little bit. When God's looking down at you, what is he inspecting? The lamb. Jesus is the lamb. He stood in your and my place. He went there perfect so that when God looked down, he would see him and not me. Come on, this is good news. That's the gospel, really, <laughs> that Jesus did this for me. He was that perfect lamb. That's why when he came on the scene, what did John, the first thing John said, behold the lamb. He got a revelation. And that's what God wants us to begin to get is more revelation. (laughs) Behold the lamb. So how important is grace to you and I? Let me just run through a few thoughts here. Maybe write down the scriptures and read through them yourself because I think it has to do ultimately with how I come before God or how I maybe don't come before God if I don't understand these things. I need to understand these, and these are all revolved around grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, I love this one here. It says, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. Man, we should all be happy about that. It is a gift. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How often do you hear people, maybe you're talking to them, they're just thinking, ah, you know, as soon as I get good enough, I'll come to church. I just need to be better. I'm thinking, it doesn't work that way. So totally, really the opposite, isn't it? As you connect with God, he begins to transform your life. Romans chapter 3, so, so I'm saved through grace. I have to understand that. Romans 3 verse 24, being justified freely, What? By his grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. So now I'm not only saved, but I'm also justified by grace. So grace justifies you. I hope you're starting to think, man, I better learn about grace. And justified simply means to be rendered righteous or to declare it or to pronounce the fact that you are righteous now. The enemy has no place to play in your mind. To try to condemn you and to do what? His goal is to drive you away from God. And so he does it through lies. He does it through deception and and so forth. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 9. How important is grace? Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by what? Grace. 
My heart needs to be established by grace. You want to have an established heart? Let's learn more about grace. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been accompanied with them. So it's not a natural thing, but I I can grow and I can be established and I can be strengthened because of understanding grace. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, So we grow into these things by the grace of God. I hope you're seeing how many things are attached to grace here today. It's grace, it's grace, it's grace, so that we can grasp this so that we can move forward. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16. Now may, the, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God and Father who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Guess what? You want to be consoled? You want to find hope again? Tap into grace. It's there for you, no matter what's going on around you. And if I understand that this is something, again, it's not something we've already read. We can't work for this. We can't earn this. We weren't worthy of this, but it will transform and change our lives. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, I love this. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. How about that? Come on, how is his grace working in you? Is it in vain? Has it been a waste for him to invest that amazing grace into you? No, it's not. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but what? The grace of God which was in me. You know, when we grasp this, we begin to realize that's how Isaiah prophesied, uh, you will run and not be weary, and you'll walk and not faint, because he wasn't doing it on his own. He was doing it on the grace of God. There's the grace that carries us. It's the grace that pushes us forward. Uh, I wrote this down. I am desperate to see the church grow up and become the world-changing, gates of hell demolishing, love God with all of our heart that Jesus died to build. That's the type of church that he's after. And he wants us to do that, and we have that ability. And, and that's what, that's what, this is what grace will produce in our lives if we'll just take a hold of it here this morning and realize the importance and the value of it. And again, I'm only giving you a very small sliver of what grace really is. It says this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. And, and, and as you look at, listen to this, I want you to realize how instant things happened. Instantly, these things happened. And it helps us to realize that just as part A happened instantly, so does part B. Now listen to this. For by one man's offense, death reigned through that one. In other words, boom. When Adam failed in the garden, there was an instant repercussion for everyone. It didn't gradually grow after that. It just happened, right? Well, just boom, it hit, hit, hit it. But yet somehow, when we look at the other side here, we're not so quick to receive it that way. We think it needs to maybe take longer or be harder or more difficult. And it shouldn't be. For if by one man's offense death reigned through that one, 
much more those who receive what? The abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So just as sure as sin came in one way, Jesus Christ took it out the other. And it's not a long, strung out process. Do you need to change? Absolutely. Do you need to maybe do some things different? Absolutely. But you'll never do it by wanting to get there first. You have to first position yourself for who you really are. So that you can take a hold of what? All the promises of God that are yes and amen. Listen to this. If you are working to please him... And and this is where I think so many of us end up. If you are working to please him, you are in for a lifetime of unfinished business. And it will leave you perpetually exhausted. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? This is what happens to us as we try to work our way back to God. Or even work our way to God for the very first time. And this morning, my, 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 my word to us is let's get to that place. Uh, is there one more scripture up there on the? Is there a last scripture up there? Romans 5.17? No. Is there one more? That's it? Okay. <clears throat> what God wants us to realize this morning is that number one, it is all about him and it is all about his grace. It's about what Jesus Christ, and we sang that, Jesus, be the center. And how do we make him the center so that we can come boldly before his throne of grace? Would you just stand with me this morning? Many believers that I see today are literally getting exhausted with everything that's going on around us. It's just gradually creeping in. It's just kind of just creeping in slowly. And, and as we sang that one song about the tide just rolling in and rolling in, that's what God wants to do for you this morning. He wants to turn your struggles around. He wants to bring back to you his kingdom. His kingdom is righteousness, okay, his righteousness, peace, and also let's not forget joy. Let's not forget joy. In the midst of it all, let's not forget joy. Because the Bible goes on to teach us that the joy of the Lord will become your strength. But if you lost your joy, if you lost your strength, if you're not experiencing his grace in your life, then you're going to be, just as I read, you're going to be perpetually exhausted. So just close your eyes for a second, if you don't mind, and everyone online, do the same thing. Just close your eyes for a second. I, I just, again, my emphasis is how boldly are you coming before the Lord? How is that relationship? Do you experience him or is it all in your head? 
Is your prayers in your head? Is your relationship in your head? Is it, is it all at this upper level versus really uh, experiencing the actual presence of God? And, and if you're missing that each time, I can assure you that you're probably not praying as much. It's a little bit harder to be motivated. You've got to push yourself because you're not meeting with Him. But He wants to meet with you this morning. And I just wonder if maybe you're there and you say, you know, I guess I just haven't experienced that kind of in-depth relationship with God maybe ever. Some of you would say maybe I never have. It's always been just I go to church and say a prayer. And some of you would say, you know, I used to but it's missing today. I've lost the joy. I've lost the experience of the Father. And He wants to bring that back to you. And I just read to you all these scriptures on what grace is going to do for you to see that happen. He's going to do everything for you. You don't have to do anything but learn how to receive the grace and then let it have its work in you. So if that's you this morning, could I just encourage you to be transparent with the Lord in your heart right now and just tell him, you know, God, that's right, I, I am missing that element. It's not, uh, prayer's not a joy and a revelation to me. It's just a job. It's, a, it's a, something I do. I, I'm supposed to do it. But there's a lack of relationship that's growing, and he wants to grow his people like never before. We must position ourselves to know him personally. Distantly will not do it. If you're born again, you might get to heaven distantly, but you might get shaken off the platform otherwise in the meantime. But God says, no, I love you with an everlasting love. So let's just pray right now. Wherever you're at, if you've never experienced it, then let's, you ask God for it. I believe he'll give it to you when you give him time and you meet with him. If you haven't experienced it for a while, don't be satisfied without it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for everyone watching online in their homes. Thank you for everyone in this room. God, I'm believing that your word and your truth is penetrating past our minds and into our hearts. And Father, where maybe we've been weak or distant for a while, that that would change today instantly by the grace of God in Jesus' name. God, I pray that there would just be a, an outpouring right now. And if there's anybody that is watching online or in this room that has not given their heart to Christ, that this would be the day that they would recognize, oh, it's that easy. He already died for me. He already went to, to the cross for me that I might have eternal life by accepting and receiving him as my Lord and as my Savior. God, I pray today that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would move in all of us. We need to be, uh, Lord, in tune with you like never before in this uh, amazing day that we're living in. You've made us for this day, and now equip us for this day, we ask. And we thank you for that. I pray for every person in this room as we go out of these doors and we begin to relate to different people. We would have the message of grace on our hearts to just freely give to them as you gave it to us. God, we love you and we bless you and we honor you today in the mighty, fabulous name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen. Amen.